the beginning, I think it was just the passion. I had a, a, one of the strongest passions for the game out there, I have to say. So um, being passionate, trying to do the extra steps, you know, trying to add uh, my own research, my own data, and then theorizing about the game, trying to go as above and beyond as I possibly could because I, I loved playing the game and I loved the feeling of winning. Um, was originally what started it. You have to keep adapting and you have to be willing to change and admit that, hey, I'm not the best in the world anymore. Or, hey, I'm not the best at this thing anymore, but uh, what else can I do? What can I offer? What can I change? How can I repurpose this? How can I make something that's useful to the internet? Over 1 billion people play PC games worldwide every year. Only a few dozen will be crowned world champion at one of the major title events. Those are some seriously long odds. On this show, we'll tell you about the amazing people that have beat the odds to make it at the highest level. Firebat's career has evolved from Hearthstone world champion to caster to streamer. On this episode of Beat the Odds, we will share his amazing story of hard work and dedication to his craft. Before he became the scientist Firebat, he was known by his given name, James Kostasich. Young James was born in 1996 in Michigan. He was raised by his parents, along with two sisters and a younger brother. They lived much of his youth in suburban Detroit, before moving to a more rural town in the outskirts called Howell. When I was younger, I was pretty reserved. I liked to kind of... I keep to myself most of the time. Um, I usually had like one or two really close friends. That was the kind of way I like to be. I wasn't like one of the people that like to have like uh, tons of friends and big groups. I liked small groups of like two or three people hanging out kind of thing. Some uh, really good loyal friends usually that are still friends to this day is kind of the way that I operated, I guess, as a kid. For most of his life, he attended a small charter school and was able to move through his studies at his own pace. His mother pushed him to always take on challenges with harder material at school. Every time I got to a spot where I was doing well, like getting A's pretty consistently, um, my mom would come in and be like, yeah, he's getting A's every time. He needs to test out or do something harder. And then she would buy me some book that I'd have to read. And then I'd read that book and then I'd test out of whatever the class was. So I was, every time I got to a spot where I was like, all right, I'm doing, getting A's. I, my mom made me test out and then I was back to getting B's and C's. So I was never really that smart or good at school. I was just, uh, my mom just really pushed me really hard, which uh, led to me being able to skip grades and stuff. A smart kid with a fair bit of free time. The early teen years is when gaming started for the boy that would become the Firebat. Probably about uh, middle school, I started playing StarCraft, Brood War, and uh, Warcraft 3, which were, you know, more serious video games for me compared to, like, the Nintendo stuff I was doing before. So that was pretty cool. They're uh, challenging RTS games, but uh, the main part that made me fall in love with the video games and stuff like that was the, uh, the modding and mapping communities. He was drawn into the new game levels and the ability to experience them with a wider community. So I just had a ball just, uh, you know, exploring that and, you know, you know, you can imagine being a middle school kid and games cost money to try and play like a different game out there. You have to go to the store and buy a game. Now, here's all of a sudden I get to just go to the custom game screen and double click anything. And all of a sudden it just instantly is a brand new game. That was 
absolutely crazy. A lot of them are all like brand new. So everyone's kind of figuring it out at the same time, which is really cool. That, that sensation of being there at the beginning of something is really important, I think, to get if you want to get super addicted to video games, if that's your goal is to get addicted to video games, playing at the beginning is the best way to do it because everyone's on the same level. Everyone's learning at the same time. You get to see the strategies evolving and stuff like that. It's really a great feeling. While gaming was growing in importance for him, James was also a strong soccer player. The sport would help him develop the work ethic that would help immensely with his later focus on gaming. I played soccer for as long as I can remember. I don't know exactly when I started, but I started really young and then I played through college so I played a lot of soccer <laughs> it started even before this I was definitely like before I was a video game guy I was like a sports guy and I was always really competitive I was never the best at sports but I you know all of my coaches and my parents and stuff like that were like yeah he's got like the most heart on the team for sure so I was the guy that always shows up early and tries to work the hardest does the most running and stuff like that but uh, I never really had the talent for sports. I just had the work ethic for it. After the family moved to Howell, James switched to the larger public Howell High School. There he played soccer and continued to game extensively in his free time. The earlier push by his mother led to James graduating high school at only 17 years old, and he had the opportunity to enroll at Cleary University in Detroit on a partial soccer scholarship. I wanted to have that experience of uh, being a college athlete, so... You know, I'm always trying to do as many things as I possibly can and experience as much life as I can. And that seemed like a pretty good, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to compete at something I love doing at a high level. So I jumped at the chance to be able to do that. While gaming had already taken a strong hold, this was 2013 and the big money tournaments and streaming were just getting off the ground. A career in esports was not something he considered. At that point, I didn't know that gaming existed as a career possibility. <laughs> that was before like tournaments and stuff were super popular or accessible. And that was before a lot of streamers were actually making money and stuff like that. Most of the people that worked on like Twitch and stuff like that were more like passion people rather than people trying to make a career. So uh, yeah, I had no intention of doing anything with esports yet. So looking at college going forward, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So that's why Cleary kind of made a good fit for me because it was a business. It was around this time that James adopted the gamer tag Firebat. Eventually, I got that account by just typing in um, all of the names that I was trying to get. And you'd have to try like every month or so to see if the accounts lapsed to the people that had them. And then eventually you could get a cool, we call them originals, which isn't just a name without any numbers. That's just like one word. So that was my cool original name. And I, I got it too, because I like the unit, the Firebat. Don't get me wrong, but there's also a guy named Firebat Hero that uh, was a pretty cool StarCraft player that I liked a lot. So it, it had a little bit of a dual meaning there. And then I, I just kind of stuck with it because that was the first time I'd ever gotten like a real original name without any numbers. While classes and playing soccer filled some of the day for Firebat, gaming started to take a more prominent role for him in 2013. College, like you didn't have to show up to the classes if you didn't feel like you needed to. And being a kid that just skipped, you know, it skipped like one and a half grades and, you know, I, uh, I had a pretty big head at the time. I thought I was the smartest guy in the world, you know? I just skipped a grade. Look at me go. So I was like, I don't need to show up for class. I basically took half of these classes in high school anyway. So I was really only showing up to the tests. And I was staying ho home gaming eight, ten hours a day. 
Yeah, so um, a lot of my friends the, were people that I met online that could also do that. And I would, you know, get on Ventrilo or Skype with them and sit and call with them and game eight to ten hours a day. They're usually older people that um, had that kind of time. In early 2014, Activision Blizzard launched a new PC strategy game, Hearthstone, which quickly became the focus for Firebat for a practical reason. It was quieter to play while pretending to pay attention to his professors at Cleary. I tried to get into the beta. I didn't make it in the beta. And then um, it officially comes out. And it was really great because I was starting to get in a little bit of... uh, trouble with the attendance and stuff like that not like penalized but like my teachers were like you're not showing up and there's like this participation thing and uh we're, we're thinking of docking you a lot of participation points so hearthstone was great because i could show up and i could play the game in the class because you had laptops and stuff uh, hearthstone wasn't out on mobile yet but yeah you could play the games at school which was pretty fantastic you can't really play starcraft at school because everyone's going to hear you mashing on your keyboard but uh, Hearthstone is just all the mouse for the most part, so nobody can really hear or tell that you're playing it. So um, I didn't want to lose my participation points, so I was playing Hearthstone at school. Firebat's move to Hearthstone nearly full-time was rewarded when an unexpected invitation arrived from Blizzard later that year. I was just playing, you know, on my laptop in the classroom and hanging out with guys on Ventrilo and playing a bunch. Uh, and I didn't know that the world championship was a thing. I didn't know the tournaments for Hearthstone were a thing. And, um, I got an email that said from Blizzard that said, uh, you've qualified to, um, the world championship qualifier, I guess it was maybe what it was just called. And, uh, it was in New York. And apparently I'd qualified from ladder points. I asked people if it was a scam or not. And, uh, they told me, no, it's legit. At this time in 2014, Firebat was still a full-time student with a soccer scholarship at Cleary University. While his parents supported his interest in gaming, they were not too happy about the idea of him blowing off his university obligations to fly to New York City for the qualifiers. I told my parents. My parents were skeptical and didn't believe it. And they were like, you're not going to New York to do this. I, you know, I had never actually even really traveled away from my parents at all at this point. Firebat eventually squared things at home and committed to the three-day event in New York. He traveled to the city as a 17-year-old unaccompanied minor. It was a great opportunity to finally meet people from across the country that he had game with for countless hours. At this time in 2014, he was known online as a strong player, but he was not one of the favorites for the event. I had a group with Strife Crow, which I was really afraid of at the time. He was, uh, was regularly known as like the best player, was uh, Strife Crow, and I had to verse... Uh, hyped and then um it was also considered a really strong player at the time and i had to verse my buddy death star v3 who is someone that i kind of uh, built decks with and was a friend that i'd played with a lot and um i had to eliminate him unfortunately <laughs> and we had brought the exact same decks together for the most part in his first major tournament at the 2014 hearthstone qualifier in new york firebat placed high enough to qualify for the world championship later that year he was hooked Returning to business school and soccer at Cleary didn't hold much appeal. He was ready to game full-time and make a serious run at the world championships. 
I, I got in a lot of fights with my parents because they really didn't like what I was doing with my life. <laughs> Understandably, not because like they didn't believe in me or they didn't believe that I could do well, but because they were afraid for my well-being as any parent should be. Right. I don't want to paint them in a negative light. They wanted me to stay in school and do the scholarship and, you know, get a degree and then pursue this later. And I was like, no, I need to do this now. If I don't do it now, it's not it's not going to happen. So. I uh, drove to Toronto to stay with my buddy Hosty and uh, pursue it from the esports thing from there. In November 2014, the 16 top players from across the world gathered at Blizzard Studio in Southern California for the BlizzCon event. Firebat took his place as one of the top four qualifiers from the Americas. Hearthstone was the new hot game, so the crowd was huge by the time the championship play started. Hearthstone was the last final that happened, so... The wave of people going from final to final keeps building as they move to the next final. By the time it got to the Hearthstone final, uh, the entire stage just shakes every time anything happens. <laughs> it was pretty uh, surreal and spooky. While he wasn't part of a team at this time, he had support from friends from across the country. There was a lot of my friends there and uh, giving me like emotional support and talking between the rounds. Uh, the guy I talked about earlier, Death Star V3, that I eliminated at um, New York, he actually made the journey to BlizzCon to support me for no other reason than just to go to BlizzCon and, you know, show his support. So that was really cool. Uh, I had like my buddy Hosty was there. There's a bunch of people just in general that were that I knew from gaming and whatnot that were there that I'd, you know, showing support and I could talk to between the rounds. As he always did, Firebat had done his homework and played out all the possible deck options. While unconventional, he felt he had the right setup to be effective. I was like one of the only players in Hearthstone at the time thinking Combo Druid beats Handlock. So all of these people in last year's standing bringing Handlock to counter Druid. I was 3-0-ing them all day, and this was a guy doing that, so I was pretty confident I was going to 3 0 with my Druid, but I wouldn't say I was so confident to say, you know, 100%, because anything could happen, you know? For the finals, all eyes were on the last two standing, Firebat and Tiddler Celestial from China. Uh, yeah, once you're, like, in the, there's, like, a, on the stage, they, like, close these doors, because it's, like, this little, like, glass pod in the center of the stage, and they you walk in there, and they close the doors, and then that's it. You're in there for the whole match and alone. I was uh, I was pretty terrified. I, I didn't – I tried not to look out at the crowd at all. I tried to just stare at my monitor as hard as I possibly could to try and, uh, you know, stay focused. Yeah, it was pretty intimidating. I was up against Tiddler Celestial, who's, like – um, multi-game card game champion guy and he seemed pretty confident he was so confident at one point he actually took off his shoe took off his sock lifted up his foot and was itching his foot so I don't know if that's confidence or just unhygienic but it was intimidating <laughs> the final saw Firebat and Tiddler Celestial opening with a druid mirror which Firebat was able to win Tiddler Celestial's attempts to counter Firebat's Druid deck with both Priest and Handlock ultimately proved in vain, and Firebat stomped to victory in a straight-through 3-0 series to secure the $100,000 first prize. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, give it up for the Hearthstone scientist, Firebat! There's a lot of adrenaline. <laughs> it felt, you know, it's definitely a really amazing feeling. A little dizzy, vision a little blurry. Uh, there's a lot of confetti just everywhere. Confetti was on everything for just 
forever for like a week you're still pulling confetti out of places uh and then you know you got to give a speech and so i was terrified about giving the speech so it's like oh god i'm already overwhelmed by the feeling of actually winning now i gotta come up with a speech that makes me not sound stupid so yeah it was uh it was really cool it was definitely a really amazing feeling it was both uh exciting scary and um you know, a sense of accomplishment all at the same time. With the world championship title, Firebat committed to gaming full time. He spent a little more time in Toronto with Hostie before moving to Texas to join the Archon team house. He leaned into his scientist nature, working to get an edge in Hearthstone through open hand play and studying the results. We were just planning to get better. We'd get a Google Hangout call going, and then we'd all, every single player in the group, we, we would all share each other's screens and we'd just play with open hands some rounds and then some rounds would be like all right this is a real round don't look at each other's hands but uh by playing with an open hand you can kind of get to see what you're trying to play around better and stuff like that and i don't know learn some more of the interactions you just catch more things and then you start thinking with the closed hand what's in their hand because you're so used to being able to see it and playing around it so it's a good practice technique competing in hearthstone at a high level is about mastering the strategy of the game Firebat is methodical about his approach. He describes the way he prepares here. What's the goal of the first four turns? What am I trying to do? Why am I trying to do it? What are they trying to do? Why are they trying to do it? How much can I interrupt their game plan while doing my game plan? Uh, All sorts of things like that and thinking about things bigger than just what's the best play on any given turn. You got to kind of understand why and always ask yourself why and keep going deeper into that why. Why does that interrupt that? Why does this do this? And... uh, go down that whole logic tunnel is super important. He tracked all the results in a massive spreadsheet, trying to find any advantage to improve his odds. I just opened up the Google Sheet or the Microsoft Excel document, and uh, I'd be like, all right, I'm playing this deck. My opponent's playing this deck. All right, he won. All right, my opponent, I'm playing this deck. My opponent's playing this deck. All right, I won. And then compile all of that, you know, a couple thousand game sample size, and then determine, all right, this deck archetype beats this deck archetype, this deck beats this deck archetype, this deck beats that deck archetype, and then you make a sheet beyond that to try and do the uh, conquest uh, pick order or the last year standing pick order, depending on which format. Friend and training partner Zele describes Firebat's approach to the game like this. He's got a brain that's just, he's smart. He doesn't figure things out first every time, but he keeps going. It's that never quit attitude. And he does gain a a deeper understanding of things over time than just about everybody else. So, you know, he'll find something he's interested in, just focus in on it and learn it and learn it better and better and better until he's the best. He doesn't give up until he's the best. Over the next few years, Firebat didn't make it through the qualifiers and back to the worlds, getting really close, but coming up short. Hearthstone is a game where the edge for elite players is so small that there's no guarantee of victory. Even still, for a few years starting in 2015, Firebat traveled the world playing in Hearthstone events and collecting prize winnings. I've been to a lot of places. I've been to like Hong Kong was pretty cool. Taiwan was pretty cool. Um, I've been to Sweden a lot, um, which is cold. Not very cool, but very cold. (laughs) Waiting for a bus stop at six in the morning in Jontraping, Sweden, is uh, one of the coldest experiences of my life. But uh, I really liked Hong Kong. I thought it was uh, super cool. Very crowded, but uh, really cool. Firebat spent most of his time with the Archon team house as his home base. Zele also moved into that Archon house in 2015, 
Zele described it as crazy, but also fun place to be. Yeah, no, living in the Archon House was a, a very fun time for like a, you know, an earlier phase in life. It was, it was very much a frat house feel. Uh, one of my favorite stories from the Archon House is we got DDoSed one day, so we couldn't, uh, we couldn't work, we couldn't stream and do our jobs, right? But uh, one of Firebat's, Firebat's then girlfriend, I guess, had, had sent him like a chocolate birthday cake. And so we just went out in the hot tub, ate cake, and got drunk. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, we're DDoS. We can't work. This is so terrible. And that was, that was pretty typical of the Archon House environment. While the gaming was at a high level at the Archon House, the frat house atmosphere didn't fit Firebat's personality. It was definitely not for me. There's usually someone doing some crazy garbage every day to try and get likes on the Internet. Any open bed was just free game for anybody to live in any open room. So I'd like go away for a weekend at a tournament. I'd come back and there'd be someone living in my room using all of my stuff. Firebat relocated and joined another team in 2017. After spending some time as a caster for Hearthstone events, he changed his focus to streaming the game full time. Firebat is now a member of the Fade to Karma global team. He really enjoys this new phase of his career where he gets to connect with his supporters. Not until like 2017 when I switched my mindset did I really feel like I was connecting with the fans. Because like, yeah, you have fans and supporters when you're playing tournaments and stuff like that all the time, but uh, they don't really know you. They're just like a fan of your play, a fan of, you know, maybe the styles of decks you've shown an affinity to, but they aren't really people that know who you are and now it's like i have people that come into the chat every single day and they ask me how my day is going and i talk to them about it and then i ask them how their day is going and read about it so there's people that i literally talk to every day that show up to my streams now it feels like i got really uh, a core fan base if i really wish i would have gotten into content creation earlier and gotten into streaming because that's actually where the money is but uh yeah young me didn't care about money young me just wanted to win as a streamer, he takes his scientist approach to the game and uses it to teach aspiring players the tricks that have helped him win. I would like my audience to think that um, I'm a good person and uh, I'm passionate about what I do. I want to try and help new players make it bridge the gap from the average legend player to someone that can play in tournaments because I think it's necessary to keep the game and the scene alive to keep new players coming in. With his focus these days on streaming instead of competing, Firebat has been able to cut back his gaming from 10 hours or more a day to a more manageable workload. I don't play uh, too many video games on the weekend. I've had a lot of problems with video games, sort of addiction and stuff like that. So uh, if I play video games, like if I don't try and consciously avoid it, I will end up playing video games for 12 or 14 hours nonstop. Having a girlfriend helps a lot with that because she'll yell at you and be like, Hey, you've been playing the computer all day. I want some attention. So that helps a lot. Firebat says prioritizing things in his life outside of gaming has been important to finding balance. His friend Zele says Firebat was always good at unplugging and finding other challenges. One of my uh, favorite Firebat stories is um, he lost a game at the uh, World Championships and went off and hiked up into a mountain or, and because he was so frustrated about it. And you just... I, I do find hiking to be like a great like stress relaxation technique. And we kind of made a tradition out of that is when we would go to a tournament together somewhere at the end of the tournament, we would like try and find a Mike mountain somewhere and hike up it, have a good time, maybe drag someone else along an unwilling participant, torture them for a while. 
Still a young man in his 20s, we asked Firebat what the next 20 years has in store for him. The question seemed impossible to consider, since the last six years has seen him evolve from competitive gamer to caster to streamer. To have a 20 to 30 year plan in this industry would be ridiculous, because it's changing so much all the time. Uh, like, as I said in the beginning, I, in the beginning, I, all I thought was the gaming, the winning, I want to win tournaments. I feel amazing when I win. Let's keep doing that. I want that rush all the time. I love it. We wanted to hear Firebat's career advice for aspiring gamers. Here is what he had to say. If you're going to try and make this a career, you have to be flexible. You have to be willing to change. You can't expect to be things to be given to you just because like uh, a lot of the best players in the world at Hearthstone and a lot of the best players of the world. Cause you know, I, maybe I was the best player of the world in 2014, maybe, but I'm not even that I'm not sure. Like I won the world championship. I might still not have been the best player. We asked Firebat to share what made him so good at the game, able to play and win at the highest level. Here are his thoughts on that subject. In the beginning, I think it was just the passion. I had a, a, one of the strongest passions for the game out there, I have to say. So, um, being passionate, trying to do the extra steps, you know, trying to add uh, my own research, my own data, and then theorizing about the game, trying to go as above and beyond as I possibly could because I, I loved playing the game and I loved the feeling of winning um, was originally what started it. And then um, after that, in order to keep it going for seven years, because most people quit especially in esports after one or two years because the entire game changes and it's pretty hard to stay the best at something that's constantly changing. Occasionally, there's going to be somebody that, uh, you know, dethrones you. So in, in order to stay relevant and keep going forward, you have to keep adapting and you have to be willing to change and admit that, hey, I'm not the best in the world anymore or, hey, I'm not the best at this thing anymore, but uh, what else can I do? What can I offer? What can I change? How can I repurpose this? How can I make something that's useful to the internet? After initially being concerned about Firebat's decision to drop out of school and focus on gaming full-time, his parents are fully on board with it now. My parents are my number one fans, for sure. <laughs> they, they couldn't be more proud of me. So, I mean, there's, a, there's obviously a little bit of rocky stuff in the beginning when you're saying, I'm going to quit college to pursue gaming. And they're like, whoa. But then, um, you know, once it starts working out and things, they see the pieces start falling together and they start understanding what gaming is and stuff like that, uh, they've been super supportive. My mom has like a huge scrapbook of all the different articles that mention me. If you literally tweet the word Firebat, my mom will like the post. So she's on the lookout for anything related to my name and stuff like that. That is our story of the scientist Firebat, pro gamer, caster, and streamer. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beat the Odds and can find some inspiration and motivation in the career and journey of James Firebat Kostasich. Be sure to check out the other inspiring stories of professional athletes in this series. You can find more episodes on our YouTube channel at BTG Media US or by searching Beat the Odds on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. You don't want to miss our next amazing episode. We want to extend a special thanks to Tim Bergman and the team at Fade to Karma for connecting us with Firebat for this episode. Beat the Odds is a production of Beyond the Game Media. I'm your host, Brian Zwerner. Bo Johnson is our sound engineer. Thank you for listening.